You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Hello again, everybody. I am Steve Eden. I want to welcome you to the True University podcast, where the truest thing about you is what God says about you. And back by popular demand, we have Don Wheeler back with us. Good to be here with you again. Well, thank you for coming back. You know, I knew immediately, and I shared this with Don uh, when we finished the last time, I knew immediately you had to come back because we were just getting into the reality of how forgiven we must be in Christ for him to come and be living in us and as us and through us. It's, it is his one sacrifice for all time that makes all that possible and available. And so I wanted to come back and just talk about, kind of kind of pick up where we left off, and that is so many people struggle really believing uh, how forgiven they are. I think we did touch on past, present, and future sin. You know, none of us were born at the time that he made that sacrifice. So his blood has to have the power to go forward into the future. And so even here as I sit today, I can understand by revelation that uh, even my future sins are already covered. They're already paid for. doesn't mean I wink at them. You know, Christ lives in me. And so uh, he is my conviction. He is my teacher and my trainer and all those things. Uh, so I'm aware of when I misstep. But it's because of him living in me. And so I want to start off, Don, by reading uh, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11. Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with human hands, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all and obtained for us an eternal redemption. Verse 13, for if the blood of bulls and goats you know, could do it. And it says sanctified uh, for the purifying of the flesh, or some translations say our outer man. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through his eternal spirit offered himself, not a, not a goat or a bull, he offered himself without spot to God. How much more will he cleanse your inner conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Talk about some of that and how important that, that revelation understanding is. Well, one of the things that I I note is that often I'll hear, uh, and I've said this myself, is that we talk about how the blood of Jesus has covered our sins, mm-hmm. and really that's that's not really correct. Right, that He has not covered our sins; that He has literally and completely washed them away. Yeah, and the difference is in the Old Testament when He talks about the blood of bulls and goats, etc. I heard someone giving a, a description uh, that went along like this. Uh, they had a pet that they had gotten and this person had to go out of town and this pet uh, began to make messes in the, the living room. Right. And uh, this person had said they would take care of that kind of stuff, but they were out of town. And so the spouse of this person's like, what am I, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. And he said, just take a napkin and just put it over the top of it. <laughs> and when I get back, over I will come and deal with it. Oh, my goodness. And so that's sometimes that's the picture that people have when they think of God covering my sins. Yeah. That, yeah, they're covered, but, you know, I know me. That's I know right. they're still there. They're still there, and so, the stench of them yeah, is still there. So this thing about, yeah. you know, God cleansing my sins, he must just mean 
That he's just he put just a napkin over, over him. him. You know, I'm reminded too of Revelation one five and six, where he says we're kings and priests in the you know in the kingdom of God, and that he has washed us uh, from our sin in right. his own blood. So he didn't say he just covered it. He washed it. There's right. some types and shadows in the Old Testament where he carried it away. I right. think uh, that was one of the things. Was it John the Baptist said, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away." Yes. Yeah. And, amen. And uh, so I think that's real important for our conscious sake, right? Because we no longer have a need to have a consciousness of sin. There's mm. no benefit to it, right? And I think that's where mm. uh, people get a bit confused in in uh, different. Uh, teachings uh, in Christianity, yeah. which is somehow we're still managing our sin yeah. by the blood of Jesus. Well, and religion has made a mint on sin consciousness. Talk, sure. talk about some of that. Well, as long as it's it's uh, the parallel, I would say, is how certain uh, political groups convince certain people that they're victims. Oh, right. And yeah. then control those people for their own purposes. Yeah, because they're victims. Because and they're easily controlled. Because they have the answer yeah. to their victimhood. Yeah. And that's something that God so, spoke to me not too long ago. My goodness. He said, and I believe this was God, you know, in those times when you, we often like to say God said this, God said this, but, I, you know, Often it's an impression or whatever. I want to say that to help people who think God just talks all the time. At least he doesn't just clearly talk to me every moment. But, yeah. but I get impressions. I get understanding. Most of the things that I hear from God come through scripture. Right. Amen. But one of the things he told me, and I more and more I'm seeing the value, and this was just several years ago, and he said, son, don't ever, ever fall for victimhood. You are never, mm-hmm. ever right. a victim. Yeah. You are a victor in my son. There is... There is nothing. There is nothing in all creation that can cause you to be a victim. Yeah, and that sin consciousness and the idea that I'm just a sinner, saved by grace. I mean, just that idea says to me, convinces me. Well, I'm susceptible to sin. I mean, there's really nothing I can do about it. I'm not, you know, I'm not an overcomer. I'm not the head, not the tail. You know, all the stuff he says that we are. It really does subjugate us to the wrong master. Well, I think also there is this tendency because I see the I see all of life out here in the natural out of my eyes, not yours. And often I uh, we're caught up in this thing of well, I know that's good for that guy. That guy's oh, real spiritual, right? But you know, I still struggle with this, that, or the other. One of the things that's the devastation of sin, uh, and I'm going to make a strong statement: your sin doesn't affect God. See, mm-hmm. we were taught way back. I remember. When, and I used to say this too, and uh, God forgive me and those mm. that heard this, but you know, God won't fellowship with you if you're sinning. Oh, right. If they're sinning, they can't. Well, that's right. the only people he had to fellowship for <laughs> thousands of years were people who were sinners. And the first thing he did in the garden was not run away from Adam because he had sinned. Right. But he went to fix it for him, went to cleanse him and to cover him. Yeah, that's right. And so God's not offended. If, if you need a scripture for that, go to Job. Job talks about, you know, he talks about. A spirit that rose up in him that said, mm-hmm. and this is God speaking, saying, what do you think your sin does to me? Do you think yeah. you affect me with your sin? No, it only affects men like yourself. Right. The point being is yeah. that if you want to receive spiritual reality into your life, mm-hmm. the biggest hindrance to that is dwelling on your sin because sin always produces death. Death creates a sense of separation. 
you cannot receive from somebody you think is separated from you that because of your fantastic. behavior. Right? You need to say that again. So <laughs> I'll, I'll try to say it again. Sin to death to separation. So sin, the Bible says yeah. that the wages of sin is death. Yeah. Death is generally a separation of some sort. Yeah. And so when we focus on mm. sin, the natural tendency is to separate ourselves from God through it. It doesn't cause God to separate from us. It causes us to separate from him in our mind. Yeah. And that's why we walk in death Incredible. when we stand in a consciousness of our sin all the time. Incredible. So, and, and, and again, it's proper value assignment that the blood of Christ is greater than my past, my present, or my, my future sin. He is greater, and I can live with confidence, not that I'm all that in a bag of chips without him, but my confidence is in him. I was reminded, too, of hesed love, C-H-E-S-E-D. It's a Hebrew word for his loving kindness. And it literally means a covenant love whereby God is not affected by our sin and our misdeeds. Uh, he actually leans into, hesed love is where he leans into our brokenness and brings to us healing. He brings to us wholeness and he brings to us forgiveness. So this idea, boy, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to share this, this idea that we put on people that, oh my gosh, that happened to you. Oh, well, you'll probably never recover from that. Somebody did that to you. Oh my God. And we lay all the brokenness on us, making us a victim of someone else's sin when the one who sinned is the broken one. And God sees that. God understands that our misstep uh, affects us. So he He comes with his hesed love, his loyalty, his healing Balm, you know, his forgiveness, all those things to lean into where we're broken. And we just do not model that at all. No. And I, I found that the when I began in my own life to see a more effectual reality, in other words, it affected my reality with yeah. God, was when I quit trying to get God to do what he's already done. <laughs> Amen. When I yeah. when I when the revelation finally got through my thick head, yeah, that there's no more that God has to do for me. Right but that he's done everything and yeah. that all that we need is already provided. And that provision, that provision of all grace is in a person. Yeah. That person is him. Christ. And that's why there's such to me, high value in understanding yeah. that God is not far off. You know, that's one right. of the things that sin produces is this sense of separation. It makes God right. seem distant. Right. Now you understand when the psalmist says, Oh, magnify the Lord. Well, what is he saying? He's saying, make him bigger. Make him big. Keep mm. him big in your mind. Keep him big in your thoughts and in your heart. Yeah. And everything around you in the natural realm wants to steal that reality. Yeah. Wants to own your head. That's right. And it's not light on sin. It's heavy on righteousness. Yes. It's heavy on how pure and holy God is and the blood of his son is. What were some of the things that you kept trying to get God to give you that you already had? Do you well, remember? Well, you know, many times it was, well, I, I don't think I... Um, I love very well, or yeah. I didn't treat someone well. And, and so God, I'm trying to get you to, to, did you, could you give me something to help me to be a better person? <laughs> God, or another area that I'm sure many of us struggle with is the area of health. Oh God, please heal me. Please heal me. How do I convince you I'm worthy of being healed? What do oh, I need yeah. to do yeah. to convince you to move on my behalf and help me to be healed in a, in some way? Right. 
And man, I'll tell you what, I, you know what? I struggled a lot. I, I didn't see a lot of effectiveness yeah. in that. Yeah. And then when finally the revelation hit me that I'm asking God for what he's provided already. Amen. That when he put Christ in me, he put health in me. Yeah. That's and right. so, and here's another the healer thing. is in you. Yeah. Well, healing and health. Right. Here's the deal. I think to be complete is to walk in health. That's right. To be completed, to walk as Jesus did in health. But here's the other side of it. Have you ever felt the shame of not walking in health as a Christian? Like somehow my faith just is weak. Oh yeah. I've got, I, I know when I have, I, the devil, I always say the devil tried to re-roof my head because he gave me shingles. Oh, uh, gotcha. <laughs> and, uh, I'm going to tell anyone you don't want that. That is one <laughs> of the most is bad news. Oh man, that is one of the most painful things that I ever had experienced have experienced yeah. in my life. And in the midst of that, it's like torture to some degree. And yeah. and I remember struggling with God is my healer. Yeah. And oh God, just let me die because this is not fun whatsoever. And so you have the thoughts of oh God, this isn't fun. Let me die or whatever. Yeah. And then you feel the shame of well, I guess I don't deserve healing yeah. because I'm not a believer. Absolutely. But here's the reality of it that that the Lord showed me. Uh, God is a healer. And what qualifies you for the need of healing is something that needs healed. Yeah. So it's fine. It's just what qualifies me to need healing is yeah. some sickness that attacks me. Do I want that? No. Does God want that for me? No. Yeah. But that's the reality that we live in. Things attack us. I don't know why. You know, the question is, why did I get that? Right. That's right. Well, you know, I'm not going to blame God. I'm well, not, right. It, he didn't put that on me. You know, one of the strongest uh, struggles I've had with people in trying to help them just walk in health or walk yep. in he- or receive healing is some some thought they've had. I, I remember a young lady I was dealing with and she had cancer and it was just impossible for her to to receive healing without God just doing a miraculous work in her thinking because she literally told me, I just know God gave me this yeah, so that somehow he could bring glory to me. yeah. And I, so the question I said, well, how is he doing that? What What is he doing it? Yeah. Well, I hope he's going to heal me. <laughs> yeah. Why would he give it to you and then heal you from it? Yeah. I, I don't understand that. Is God mean like that? Was that, was right. that how you would treat your children? Right, absolutely. Yeah, hey, I'm gonna smack you in the head so you get a big black eye so I can treat it. Yeah, because I so love treating your, well, your it black glorifies eye and, me somehow. Uh, it's like this doesn't. It's, well, and look at John 10. You know, thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. Jesus came that we have life and health and all that stuff abundantly. So I always tell people, God is not guilty. God is faithful. Right. God is faithful. So if you're going through something, He's not guilty of putting sin, sickness, and disease or something on you. And there's there, he's faithful to heal you, deliver you, walk you through help. But there are people, I'm sure, that listen. I'm, I was glad you touched on it. Born again, child of God, get diagnosed with cancer. How important it is? Uh, how important is it for them to not try to look outside of Christ to get their healing? Because we do that. We try to merit it, and, and the enemy, you know, bombards us with uh, "You're guilty. You deserve this," and those kind sure. of things. How, what would you say to them about appropriating uh, what I already have? Because I remember the Lord telling me, he said, Steve, what did you not get when I came inside of you to live? Right. So never go outside of me to your own faith or your own performance to somehow get me to heal you. I'm in you as healing and as health. What would you say to those people that do get a bad doctor's report that love the Lord? Well, the first thing I would say is you need hope. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Don't give up hope. And there's two kinds of hope. There's a hope that, and if you look at uh, Romans chapter four, when the Bible talks about Abraham's faith, yeah, and it talk, there's a statement in there that says, "Against hope, yep, comma in hope, yeah, God believe uh, Abraham believed the promises of God, yeah." And so the first hope is the way the world hopes. It's kind of I'm a hoping and a wishing, yeah, but the kind of hope that comes from God that's in Him is certain. It's a, it's an it's an yeah. earnest or certain expectation. So mm. we need to renew our mind to that. Yeah, and remember that you know there uh, Colossians one. I think it's Colossians one. Is it no Ephesians one three says? Yeah. For we are blessed with every spiritual, spiritual blessing. blessing in the heavenlies. Now some people are taught that that means good lucks in the future someday <laughs> after you die and you get to when heaven. you get to heaven. It's yeah. gonna be a blessing when you get there. <laughs> But it's not really helping you now. Oh, I don't read that. And there was a time I probably thought that way. Oh, sure. But I don't read that, that Everybody way. Everybody will be happy over there, right? Right. <laughs> the old song. So the point of that is that, and you're going to find this this uh, theme all through the New Testament, that we're to walk in the Spirit, that we're to have a spiritual mind, that we're to set our mind on things above. So how do we deal when we have things below that are attacking us? Yeah. Not by setting on our, our mind on things below. That is not the answer. It doesn't mean that we we uh, deny the fact. Right. Abraham never denied the fact. That's right. That he was too old to have kids. Yeah. But he said the promise of God is greater. Yeah. That's Amen. what it came down to. I love uh, to say it this way. We do not deny the natural realm. If somebody is diagnosed with cancer in their body, we don't deny that the natural realm is there. We just deny that that's all there is. There is more than just the natural realm and the doctor's natural report because God is spirit. Right. And his word is spirit and it's life. And that spirit is what can lance all that, you know, cancer and actually subdue it and overcome it because truth is a higher law than fact. Right. And that's the way I tried it. That's my little ism to define that. I'll say there's plenty of facts out there. Yeah. Yes, you have a big tumor on your forehead and we can all see it. That's a fact. (laughs) Okay. Right. But truth trumps fact. And the truth is you are healed in him. He has provided health, wholeness. That's what salvation is. Mm -hmm. And so what do we do? We need to put our mind on that and we need to uh, walk in the light of that. Yeah. I, I believe in, I don't believe in this, you know, kind of say it and get it. Oh, you know, right. Name I, it, claim it. Name it, claim it. Yeah. But I do believe there's tremendous value in saying. Absolutely. Faith it, come by hearing and hearing by the word. I'm going to yeah. say it. If you believe it, I'm. if I believe it, like I said, I'm going to say it. Yeah. I believe I'm well. Now, yeah. A lot of people struggle. Look at the big old thing on your head. Yeah. I, I, that's just a fact. That's right. But the truth is I am well, and I believe that. And I believe he has provided everything that I need to be whole, to be well. That's so good. And if if something happens and I die, well, I'd rather pass away believing God. That's right. Than focusing on that, than than giving glory to some, some sickness or disease. There was an old Japanese missionary who served the Lord for many years, and then something happened, I believe with his retinas or something, but he basically started going blind. And then eventually went blind. And his son asked him, Dad, what are you going to do now that you've lost your sight? He said, well, son, I suppose I serve the Lord with all my heart with my sight. I'll serve the Lord now with all my heart without it. Right. And I will trust him to do with me what he desires to do. Yes. And I thought, what a great way of you know of looking at it. I'm just going to continue going forward. I'm going to continue walking with the Lord and allow 
uh, his faith in partnership with me and the grace of God that's in me to appropriate yes. what is already mine. And I think, excuse me, I think that's where that godly hope is valuable because hope looks to the future. Yeah. And trust looks to the future. I, I, like, I think that faith is in the now. Mm-hmm. I receive yeah, now in faith, faith in the moment, yeah. now faith. But there's nothing wrong with godly hope. Yeah. Sometimes we feel criticized because we don't see the result right away. Right. Well, that's not uncommon in the Bible. Mm-hmm. There's many promises that we're giving given. There's yeah. there if over in uh, Hebrews, I think chapter twelve, it talks about this whole arena of people who believe, but in their whole life never received never the promise. Never received the promise. Yeah. And that really spoke to me to say, you know what, God God was honored to call him His. He said, yeah, they that's didn't right. receive the promise in their life, right. but they believed me. And I'd rather have that kind of character. Right development from him, his character in me, than to worry about whether I re- whether that thing ever came. I'm not going to say fantastic. that. I'm not yeah. going to say it's a, it. it's truthful because I saw it happen. It's truthful because God said it so. Yeah, two things I'm reminded of. This is eternal life that they would know you, Father, the one and only true God, Jesus Christ, whom thou sent. He didn't say this is eternal life that you're healed uh, every single time you ask me for it, and that it, it, you know that everybody Jesus healed eventually died. Right. So there is a temporariness, uh, if I can use that word, to healing. And then the other one I'm reminded of is through faith and patience Yes. that we inherit the promises of God. And we do go through the fire sometimes, but we'll not be burned. I mean, what he's saying in that is I'm with you. Yes. I'm with you in all of it. And, uh, you know, there, as you said, to make good on the the uh, promises that we have, we have all that pertains to life and godliness. And then what was the one Ephesians one, three uh, that you, well, Ephesians one, three just talks about, we are blessed with every yeah, spiritual blessing. That, that I'm going to, I'm going to live with that as my truth. Yeah. That I have the blessings of God. I have healing. I have health. I may not always see it manifesting because there is an enemy out there and we live in a fallen world. So things happen sometimes even accidents happen. I mean, you know, somebody's drunk driver hits somebody and you got a broken arm. I mean, sometimes things like that happen and we don't need to run to God and be like, what, you know, what I do wrong or right. what's wrong with you? Or, you know, right. we need to say, I thank you that you're with me. Right. No matter what, you're with me. But, it, and, you know, to back to where we were talking about uh, the benefit of losing our sin consciousness yeah. so that we can walk in really a purity of righteous consciousness, it that is what, enables in our the renewing of our mind that we can walk in the light of you know the bible says faith without deeds or faith without corresponding action is is dead dead. and how many people do we know that know a lot i know a lot more than i walk in the light of i admit it and i want to develop and Mm -hmm. and be uh, obedient to walk in the light of those things that i say i believe and that are true yeah but we do have a struggle with that because our, our senses, you know, when the Bible talks about carnality, it just means that things of the five senses, all those things of the five senses are can can be and probably are working on producing what the Bible calls unbelief. Right. We can have Absolutely. all the faith we need, but have unbelief block our ability to walk in the light of it. Mm. That doesn't stop. It doesn't negate God's truth. It negates that truth from being effectual in my life. That's right. And so the, the key is we need to uh, alienate ourselves from things that produce unbelief in us. Amen. You know, right now we're in a political season, and and I'm tempted to get drawn into oh, what yeah. I feel like is the righteous uh, side and the unrighteous side. Yeah, you know, and 
And yet I, I, what really grounds me and brings me back to center is just when the Lord just says, Hey, look, I, I'm, I'm the person you need to be looking to. Yeah. Don't, you don't need to look for anyone outside of me uh, to bring life to you Amen. and to produce life. I've, I've got all the life you need. Often when I'm in my greatest struggles, the Lord will say something really deep and profound like this, son, I gave you my life. Now live it. Yeah. Right. Right. And it's yeah. like, stop, oh yeah, thanks. Stop looking at all this death around you that yeah. you wonder why, you know, it's not fulfilling. Or or my temptation is I, I need a new boat. I need a motorcycle. I need an <laughs> right. airplane or a train. I need to climb Mount Everest. You know, I'm looking for all That'll these external. Yes, I'll be happy then. Yeah. And, uh, and the Lord must laugh and say, hey, I gave you my life. Just live my life. And if you know what? If you climb Mount Everest, if you're on a plane, if you're in a boat, or if you have a right. bike in crisis, and it'll be good. It's all good. Yeah. He's not telling you not to enjoy the planet that he gave us. Yeah. I love what you said, though, about my faith doesn't cause it to happen. It doesn't change God or manipulate truth in any way. It just allows me to experience the life and peace of what is true. So let's take a very simple one. God loves everybody on the planet. Scripture says that, you know, God himself is love. If you said, we got to lock out those things that create unbelief. So my faith doesn't make God love me. Mm -hmm. My faith allows me to participate with what is true and the truth in participation with it brings freedom to me. And I begin to live and experience the love of my heavenly father through my receptivity, which we talked about last time we were there. But a lot of people think that their their faith and their belief is what determines truth. No, it doesn't. It just allows you to experience the life and peace, the fulfillment of what is already true right. about you and about God. And, you know, if you're listening today, he loves you. And all that's lacking is your receptivity and participation to that love. You you believing it all of a sudden didn't make it true. <laughs> I think that's so funny. Well, it's not true if I don't believe it. Oh, really? <laughs> and I, I think the, the temptation is, and we were raised this way. We were trained in the world to somehow affect our value that we had to. And I, you know, I try to be cautious with this. Yeah. I think the person that lays around and does nothing for his fellow man is not walking in love. Right, I agree. Right. But on the other hand, you can overstate that need that your value is made by what you do. Amen. And quite often, and I'm as guilty with this as any of us, which is we don't understand how the love of God actually affects us. And so we'll get ourselves into a situation. And often we find ourselves trying to find a way to deserve that love. Yeah. That we're trying to get God to love us more. And so what do we end up looking at? We look at us. Yeah. But the best way to go about walking in the love of God is look at the love of God. Yeah. It's the love of God that comes to us and affects the change. Yeah. It is the most powerful force there is. And that is the deadliness of sin is it takes our eyes from him. Separates us from that. That's right. Puts them on ourselves. Yeah. And so we have that self-consciousness, self-awareness that Adam and Eve fell into. They they ran away because they were afraid. Of course, he's like, who told you you were naked? I remember when Jesus was talking, using the parable of, and he said to the disciples and those listening, he said, look, unless you uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. Mm Mm-hmm. And so and it's that time, you know, people conjured up all kinds of ideas in their head. And it's, the Bible says, 
many of them walked away. Right. And he looked at his disciples and said, are, are you going to? Mm-hmm. And I think this was a pretty wise answer. They, they were like, well, where would where we, we go? go? <laughs> and that's the, that's the thing we need to be at too. When we're struggling and we're, where are we going to go? Oh man, that's a great point. When, when we do a big piece of stupid, where we're going to go self condemnation. Yeah. What a great point. Where are yeah. you going to go? Go to him. Yeah. The love of God has the answer. That is so it good. Is the answer. So here's Hebrews 10, 11 through 14. We're going to talk some more about, and then I want you to get into the benefits of Christ in you. But it is the blood. What we're talking about today is it is the blood of Christ and his sacrifice, his atonement, that makes Christ living intimately and triumphantly inside of me makes it possible. Here's Hebrews 10, 11. Every priest stands ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. Talking about the old covenant here which can never take away sin. We actually talked about that earlier. But this man, capital M, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He's first priest to ever sit down and be seated, which again connotes it's finished. It's It's enough. Mm -hmm. He sits down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. I love that statement because you've got the finality of how he's made us perfect in himself, but we're also walking through a process of sanctification where he is on the inside of me and where he began a good work, he is faithful to complete it, to conform me, Romans 8, 29, to the image of himself. And here also is just a great value in understanding who who Holy Spirit is. Yeah. Because the word holy is where we get the word sanctification, where we get the word sanctified, mm-hmm. to be made holy. The fact that he placed the Holy Spirit within us is the process of sanctification. Yeah. So you're not sanctified through your behavior. Okay. You're sanctified through his through the mind of Christ being revealed to you. And you walking in the light of that. He doesn't have yeah, to, there's no behavior that has to be added to what he's already done. Okay. So someone might say, well, you know, I looked at pornography the other day, so I'm not sanctified. What you're saying is the sanctification came when the Holy Spirit, the sanctifier entered you. And now the, this quote process of sanctification is you walking in submission and partnership with him. Is that, am I hearing that right? Or that's correct. And, and there's no other answer. Yeah. You're not going to, you're not going to be free unless the sun sets you free. (laughs) You're not going to be free (laughs) on your own. And so to, that's why I say, where are you going to go? Yeah. Man, when I have a piece of stupid, I'm going to God. Right. When, I, when I come to my right mind. And you have a right mind. Yeah. In Christ, the, I do. I have the mind of Christ. One of the problems that a lot of a lot of Christians have is they don't understand spirit, soul, and body. And so right. you need to understand this. Your spirit is sanctified. Yeah. It is complete. It is whole. And it is fit for heaven. It is fit for a complete, so good. It, pure fellowship with God. Yeah. The the sanctification is of your soul. It's of it's of your mind being renewed to that truth that's that that's inside of you. Yeah, that's one of those things we talk about. What's the value of Him being in us? Well, that we're fully sanctified, that we're complete in Him, and that the way that the Father sees the Son is the same way He sees you and I, right? In the Spirit, and so if we get caught off 
looking at porn, whatever the thing is that mm-hmm. we get caught away from that, which is that glorifies God and yeah. is good for us. That's in your soul. That's just your flesh. Right. The The spirit of Christ inside is never sinned. First so, John 3, 9 says, whatever is born of God, and that would be my spirit, man, has or yeah. cannot sin. Yeah. Yeah. So you recall when Adam uh, transgressed and, and God came into the garden to walk with them and they had hit themselves. Yeah. And what was God's question to them? And, and I have to ask this. Do you think God knew where they were? Yes. He was not asking for information. No. <laughs> so what did he say? He said, where are you? And I think today, this is a question that Spirit, Holy Spirit would ask us if we're struggling. Yeah. He would say, who are you? Yeah. Where are you? Yeah. And, and he wants you to come back to who he's made you. Yeah. By Christ in you. Is it possible we separate ourselves? Sure. That's what they had done. Because you said earlier, God is not... He doesn't run away and hide from no, our we sin. do. Right. We are the one who move. Yes. And that's a that's why that's such a great question. Yes. Where are you? You need to examine yourself. See, I'm still here, right. but you have right. moved away from me because sin brings self-awareness, self-consciousness. Right. I love the story of uh, the older couple who've been married in the for truck. many years yeah. in the truck, and, and uh, they're cruising down the road, and the wife is sitting way over on the passenger side, and the husband's at the driver's, you know, he's driving along, and the yeah. wife looks over and said, Man, I sure do miss those days. Remember when we were young and we used to snuggle up? And, yeah. Yeah, and I used to just cuddle up right under your arm, and it was it was just nice back then. And and he looks over to her and he says, I haven't moved. That's right. And I, I think, have told that story. I heard you tell that a while back in my office, and I, I have told that. that story many times. Yeah. God doesn't move. We do. Right. And it is against, what is it against? Is it against our uh, our nature or maybe our, our mindset that when we sin, we do run away. We it's it's contrary to run to God. It's it's like, what do you think that is that's at war in our members? I well, know first, scripture says soul or uh, sin wars, wars against the soul, my mind, will, and emotions. But sin is not ours. Okay. First. Yeah. Sin is what is we're trained in. Yeah. You know, nobody had to sin to be a sinner. Right. We're born into we it. We were born into it. But that doesn't make us who we are. It's our participation with it. We just could, we were slaves to that and could not get separated from it. Yeah. And so that's why when Christ died on the cross and he, he died our death, and this is a whole nother area that we just don't have really the time to delve into yeah. today, but, but it might be termed the crucified life. Okay. Which is, I, I want you to know, dead men don't sin. And right. everything that you were before Christ whether you believe it or not, yeah, it's dead. Yeah. The question is, who are you? Yeah. And that's why the Spirit would say, who are you? Right. Because that which God has recreated, if you can come into understanding and identify with who he's made you as son, mm-hmm. that part of you does not sin. Yeah. Oh, I just can't believe I, that I could never sin again. I just, I, it's yeah. too. And that's because we know ourselves by the flesh. We are right. dominated by carnality right. as right. believers, certainly here in the West. I don't know about the whole world, but I, it seems like brother Don for years, the Lord has said my people, and he's including me in that you're too carnal. You're too sourced by natural things and feelings and your emotions. I am spirit and you are more spirit than you think you are. But we've been trained, yes, you know, and, by the senses. And it's it's interesting that you bring that up because you know I've been a Christian for a lot of years, and I'm a serious Christian, right? 
you know, and I'm not bragging or anything. I'm just saying I have been at a hundred percent pursuit of him for many years. And yet today, these days, what he is telling me, what he's drawing me into, what I've not fully experienced is son, you've got to walk in the spirit. Yeah. You've got to become more spiritually minded. Don't allow natural things to rule and reign over you. Yeah. You rule and reign by comprehending the reality of spirit and who you are in spirit. And the question always arises, how do I know that? Number one, it's the scripture revealed by the spirit is the word of God. Yeah. And Jesus said, my words are spirit. If you want to see spiritual reality, you've got to be reading your Bible. You've <laughs> right. got to. Let, that's why I love to say things about scripture and I have some understanding and things. Yeah. But the thing I love more than that is for someone who hears what I'm saying to not just take my word, yeah. but to go to the scripture themselves. Right. Ask Holy Spirit Sit to with teach. The, the author themselves. Yes, and, yeah. and get the revelation and own it for themselves. That's right. And then walk in the light of it and find out, wow, God works. Amen. God works. Boy, wouldn't it be great, and we don't have time to talk about this, but I want to, I want to throw it out there. Wouldn't it be great if in our churches there was a mindset shift where many who are charged with teaching, preaching, exhortation, those things to the body, uh, made it more, it, it was more of a passion for them that the people uh, learned from the Lord personally and from the scripture, the, uh, the time they spend with him in scripture personally, uh, truth and breakthrough and revelation and freedom more so than what the orator is communicating. Well, if we could have a shift like that, in the mindset, uh, man, I just think that'd be so powerful. And I really think we do have a shift like that. And if you, yeah. I know we live a small period in the, in the moment of time, yeah. our lives are pretty short yeah. relative to time. And so if you look through church history, we're way past where we were, you know, yeah. a thousand years ago when, That's fair. Mm-hmm. when people weren't even allowed to have a Bible or read a Bible because it was, they weren't considered, uh, in a holy enough place to even be able to comprehend it. And we're past that for most Christianity. Yeah. But I would say what the father wants, uh, you know, what the father desires for, for all of us as Christians is he desires for us to enjoy the relationship that he has with us. Yeah. And that he wants us to be those that pursue him. Right. And he's limited the way in which we uh, experience God to through the spirit. Yeah. And it, I'm not saying that, you know, God, I've said this and, and I know it's, it's a pretty ge- generic general saying, but God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. I'm not going to place him just in a box, but there yeah. is, you know, uh, I guess you could say there's the way in which God has operated is kind of shown all through the Bible. His desire is for us to believe. Believing opens the door for faith operating. Faith receives the reality of the fourth dimension or the spiritual realm. Yeah. And so that's why when the Bible says you are blessed with every spiritual blessing, Mm -hmm. the value of that is understanding that your answer is not in the natural, but it's in the spiritual realm. So how do I pursue that? And then he gives us that understanding. You do it. You pursue an understanding of the spiritual through the scripture being revealed by the Holy Spirit, which becomes the word of God. The word of God then has the power to affect those things in the natural in your life, whether it be to love better to whatever those are. Yeah. And the benefit of having of the revelation of Christ as your life 
then separates you from trying to self-generate those things that are only in his character. Yeah. And realize. Good luck with that. Self-generating. Here's the hardest part, I think, for most of us. Because we deny this in our natural thinking, in our carnal mind. We deny this. As God is, so are we in this world. Yeah. First John. See, this is such a simple statement, but it's so profound to me because I had to experience, I've experienced this. Yeah. People might say, how do you just love everybody? (laughs) And my answer is, because I can. Yeah. I mean, because I can. Right. Because he's imparted himself in me. There's there's not an empty, I don't have a commodity of love I'm going to run out of. Wow, yeah. Love is not, his, it's God. The entity, the person of love is alive in me. How I mean, can I ever run short of supply? Yes, if God is seed, oh, I'm sowing, 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 sowing. My goodness, man. And it never, and the fun is to see the reality of it. Yeah. That I really literally can. I mean, I'm and, not and, talking about talking about loving people. I'm right. saying that from the heart of God to the heart of man. Loving people. Well, and that's what moves us from, I should love people, to I can. Yes. I can love people is, what is that? It's a mindset of faith and participation. The person of love oozes out of me. How could I not love people? Yes. How could I not overcome evil with good? How could I not overcome hatred with love? Yep. Yeah, he's in me. So, and and the church majored on well, I should right get out there and love somebody, and good luck self, good luck self generating that. Right. No, that's why Jesus is the greatest leader the world's ever seen. He leads by what he supplies. He supplies you himself. He gave you himself, yes. and now says, "Hey, let's go love. I'll just love through yep. you. You know, you just be available. I'll love through you, and we'll be one." Yep. I remember. Uh, I, I won't. I, My goodness. I won't name him, but the a person who. Had had a great ministry. Yeah. Someone people would probably recognize. Yeah. Have a greater ministry today, but had come after, I think there was a number of years, 10, 15, 20 years of ministry, and they had been somewhat effective, but were miserable. Yeah. And in that misery, they they cried out to God and said, hey, this isn't working. And the Lord said to them, said, well, for all these years, I've watched your ministry. <laughs> How would you like to see mine? Oh, my goodness, yes. And they said, yes, I would like to see I would yours. like to see yours. And he said, okay, now rest. Yeah. Rest. Amen, Don. That's so powerful. I got to give them, uh, our, the Lord's already spoke to me that when you come back the third time, <laughs> <laughs> here's where we're going to, here's what we're going to get into. This is 1 Thessalonians 5.23. You touched on it earlier. May the God of peace himself, yes. himself, yes. not my deeds, himself, sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think spirit, soul, and body is one of the greatest revelations that a believer can get. And it's married to Christ in you. You got to be able to see those truths, but the whole scripture came alive to me when I realized that I was three parts, not two. I was, I had a spirit and that's where Christ comes in. And then the soul and the body where, you know, he begins to leaven those through my yieldedness and partnership. So the next time you come, we need to talk about that. We'll pick it up there. Did you have any other benefits you didn't get to name on the, the benefits of Christ inside? Cause we have just a couple of minutes. If you want to talk about any more of those. Well, I know the, pardon me, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about, you know, just the benefit of the re- revelation that Christ is in me is when I need God, I just look right in my he's chest. There. He's yeah, there. Yeah, he's there. And he's always faithful. Mm. You know, I, I just, 
through all these years of, you know, just life and, and the struggle that we're all in. Mm -hmm. The one thing I can say is even when I'm not faithful, God is, and there's just a benefit of knowing that he's not far off in some distant land. He's approachable. Right. He's, uh, he'll abide with you forever. Yep. He's always there. He's not just a static force of spiritual energy. That's just, you know, shot out from some far distant place. It's classic theology. where teaches that he's personal. He dwells in us and we dwell in him. I love that. I'm never, ever, ever alone. Mm -hmm. He's never told me that he's not, doesn't like me or that he's disappointed in me. He's never said it. I've said it to him. Yeah, sure. I'm disappointed in me. But what I see and I hear, and of course, the uh, listeners don't have the benefit of that I have of sitting here looking at you while you're talking. I see and hear the rest of God, his rest. You know, Jesus promised in Matthew 11 that he would give us rest to all those who are weary and heavy laden. I love the message. It says burned out by religion. That's been a bunch of us. But the rest of God, it's like Don, the closer we walk with him, the more we begin to understand, you know what? He's in me there to will and to do his good pleasure. It's every good and perfect thing that comes out of us is him that we, we cease uh, not from good works because we actually bear great fruit in our rest and our time of abiding and getting to know him. But I think we start ceasing from this mindset of great effort and I got to produce it and it's got to happen in this almost nervous energy we live life with sometimes. Um, We can be safe and secure in his love and that he's in us there to never leave us or forsake us. And I just see that, you know, as you talk about it, uh, as you share with us uh, on the, on the podcast, I just see that in you. And I want to pray that for those that are listening uh, today, I want them, you know, to be able to to capture that and begin to rest in Him. Well, Father, we come to you uh, today, and I just pray the rest of God for everybody who's listening that they'll be able to rest in You. Lord, open up their heart and mind to the fact that You are deeply present, intimately present within them, there to will and to do Your good pleasure, and You're not asking them to go do and perform more. But Lord, you're really asking them just to rest more and to receive of you and your supply. We love you, Lord. We bless each one in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.